All right, welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Timeout Talk. We're your hosts, Raphael Singer. And Hunter Leon. And there's currently a hurricane hitting Los Angeles, which I never thought I'd say, but <laughs> Timeout Talk persists nevertheless. So let's just jump right into it by talking about some big news that dropped this week. Um, and there's some drama surrounding none other than our favorite guy, James Harden. I feel like he sort of replaced Ben Simmons as like the guy we talk about the most in this podcast, just because he's in the news so frequently. Uh, and this is surrounding some drama and some comments that he made in China sur- about Daryl Morey. Um, so you want to get into that, Hunter? Yeah, yeah. Basically, James Harden, it's kind of implied that he was promised to receive like a max extension uh, from Daryl Morey. Uh, those claims haven't been confirmed, but it seems like if Har- James Harden is telling the truth, and this, the situation from his eyes is that Daryl Morey was like, hey, part of your thing coming here we really like how you played we'll give you a max contract you know just opt out of your contract uh obviously if you remember how this offseason went james harden opted in to his i think it was like maybe 30 something million dollar option as opposed to uh waiving his rights as a free agent and then or getting onto the free agent market uh that didn't happen so i mean ultimately james harden i think would be in the wrong here because, you know, he was the one who signed that contract. He's bonded to that agreement. So, you know, we'll see. More news is going to unravel as the league investigates the situation. But I think the comments that you're referring to are also the ones about, like, how he just feels so loved in China and that, like, you know, there's there's just such a, a sense that he's appreciated there. So what are your thoughts on that comment? And do you think that could have any actual validity in James Harden going to play basketball overseas? Uh, no, I mean, the comments I was referring to is when he was like in front of that group of kids and then he just sort of unprompted goes, um, yeah, James, James or sorry, uh, Daryl Morey is a liar I will oh, never yeah, play yeah. for any organization associated with Daryl Morey. And it's just like, yeah. dude, you're talking to a bunch of kids like I don't think they want to want to hear that. Um, but yeah, no, I think James Harden definitely is like lo- lo- loving his life in China right now. I think a lot of big name NBA players when they go there. They get the sort of superstar treatment to another level that they don't really experience in the States. But coming back to the situation with Daryl Morey, I honestly am siding more with Morey in this situation. I think Harden, what we've seen from him over the past few years with the trade request from Houston, then Brooklyn, and now Philly, right? We're, we're seeing a guy who's almost like a cancer on a team, right? He'll he'll show up. He'll act super happy like he always wanted to be there. Um, when, when things start not going his way, when he inevitably be inevitably crashes and burns in the playoffs, he'll throw a fit, demand a trade request, and move to his next location, right? I think that if you're Daryl Morey, why the hell would you give this guy a max extension when he just dropped single-digit points in a Game 7 that could have gotten you to the conference finals, right? This is a guy who's repeatedly let you down time after time in the playoffs. And so, of course, you wouldn't want to stick with him. So it makes sense from the organization's perspective I think James Harden is also like right to be frustrated, but yeah, at the end of the day, be a professional, you know, suit up, play the season. If the organization wants to trade you, they'll do that. At the end of the day, it's just one year, you know? Um, Mm -hmm. And I think that, look, I think Harden is going to make this a big deal. I think he is going to, everyone jokes about the fat suit and like how he wears a fat suit uh, when he wants (laughs) to get traded somewhere. And they, they show the images of him looking kind of bloated in Houston but I mean, antics of that sort are not like to be unexpected from James Harden. You know, he's the type of guy to pull stints like that to 
to get his way. So I'm just not looking forward to this drama with Harden. I think that it's just so much like fluff. I just want to get to the basketball, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I think this is kind of how it goes though. Like the NBA is the best uh, rom-com in the, or not rom-com. That's not the word I'm looking for. Telenovela is what I was thinking. Yeah, there I, don't know why I, I don't know why I said rom-com. <laughs> rom-com. <laughs> I mean, yeah, this is, they're in their, you know, fighting stage right now, but they'll get back together. I mean, it's kind of a rom-com with Jalen Green. Let's be real. Oh uh, my God. <laughs> crazy. No, but yeah, I, I'm in agreement. NBA drama is peak uh, of any other sport or peaks any other sport. And I think this situation will drag on. I think it's tough. James or Joel Embiid has tried to reach out to James Harden on multiple occasions to no avail. So, you know, no matter how much he likes his teammates or anything like that, it just doesn't seem like James Harden cares. It's just destruction until he gets what he wants. And not only that, but I think James Harden kind of has that same Allen Iverson mindset with his money. So he, I don't think he cares. Like, not to even the same extent as Ben Simmons. Like Ben Simmons, once it got to the point where he was like, okay, I'm kind of running out of money, he kind of weighed his options a little bit. Like he was like, okay, I can't live my lifestyle. But I think James Harden has gotten so much money in his career and lives such a lifestyle that it would not matter to him. Like, I feel like James Harden in his mind could probably be like, damn, I could retire from basketball today and be the same person I am if I play for the Sixers. Yeah. I mean, we got to talk like about how this impacts our view of Harden as a player. I think really he's done so much to sort of destroy people's perception of him as a player yeah, i mean just not in the past two years literally just only, in the past two yeah, years because you know when he was in houston right we unequivocally looked at him as one of the best scorers one of the best shooting guards of all time right um we just couldn't get it done in the playoffs but you know running into some stacked warriors teams so we couldn't really fault him too much but now we look at him as a guy who's like a drama queen a guy who is really uh has like really antsy to just keep jumping teams a guy who's not willing to sort of stick it out a guy who collapses in the playoffs in on numerous occasions not just on like the rockets uh, when they're facing the warrior super team but in basically every situation he's been since then so i think Harden just keeps digging a deeper hole for himself and i hope that one day he'll be able to find another team where we can start to gain some more respect for him as a player yeah absolutely never want to see players lose respect uh, but going into the next segment here, I want to talk about the NBA schedule just got released. Yeah. Uh, like yesterday or maybe two days ago now, but I want to get into the Clippers a little bit here. Cause I was looking at the kind of their schedule and they have a really tough schedule. Uh, this is the only time I want to talk about as far as strength, the schedule. I'm sure we'll get into that more as we get closer to the season, sure. but they are a team, obviously big injury history already, you know, Kawhi, Paul George. Very old team, lots of veterans. They, for one, have the most miles to travel of any team by a large amount, Like, meaning you know they're constantly flying long distances. And they also have the most three games played in four days, which means they're going to have the most back-to-backs, day of rest, and then they play another game, which is not what you want to hear if you're a Clippers fan because you have, obviously, Kawhi Leonard and Paul George, two of the most injury-prone superstars on the same team uh, in the league. So... I don't know. I, this doesn't seem like something that would be intentional, but it kind of seems like this is the most Clippers thing to happen. Yeah. So what are your bad, thoughts on that? Bad luck of the draw. I mean, I don't read too much into this. Like everyone's playing the same 82 and I don't think like a day or two of rest, it, like sort of thrown into the schedule 
between um, different games is really going to make that big of a difference in the grand scheme of things. I think that, sure, it is funny that it happens to one of the most injury-prone teams in the league with, like, two of the most brittle superstars. But at the same time, like, whether or not Kawhi is healthy for the season, I don't think is really going to come down to, like, the total number of miles played and whether there's a difference of, like, 200 there from, like, the next biggest team or something like that. That at that at that point, it's all very like marginal. So, I think that yeah, if anything, it's just kind of funny, but I don't read too much into it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, but uh, getting into the next part of the schedule is opening night. We got two big games. Uh, nothing coming up in the East, but we have the Lakers versus Nuggets rematch from the Western Conference Finals, and the Warriors playing the Suns with KD which should be great. This is the first time KD will have played the Warriors since 2018. Wow. He has never played the Warriors since being there. And the Warriors have had a welcome back video for Kevin Durant since 2018 that has not yet been played. That's pretty crazy. And it's also going to be crazy to see Chris Paul obviously playing his former team. I think that's yeah, another big That's another part there. of it. Yeah, absolutely. I, I wasn't that, thinking about that. I mean, it's pretty much like uh, become commonplace at this point to have the Lakers play the former champions on opening night. I mean, they had the Lakers Warriors last year for opening night and now Lakers Nuggets. So I think it's always going to be a good game. You know, um, Lakers are kind of box office, the biggest team in the association. So you want to have them plastered up opening night. So it makes sense from a marketing perspective, but also I think the Warriors. Yeah, exactly. Same with the Warriors. Um, All the stars are showing out. It sucks that honestly, there's no, um, Eastern Conference team here. I would have loved to see a, a Boston play, a Milwaukee, um, a Philadelphia even. But I guess that, you know, the NBA executives thought that the biggest draw would be in the West this year. Um, but I think that both these are going to be really fun matchups. I'm excited to see the sort of new look Warriors with CP3. Although I'm not so big on them, I think this is actually going to be a pretty clear Suns win because I think it's going to take a little bit of time for CP3 to adjust to this system. I still think this is going to have some some big highlights here. I think, you know, you're going to get some vintage step performances. LeBron's going to have a couple highlights here and there. Joker, obviously. So I'm excited for these. Um, before we get into, like, predicting who's going to win, I, I just want to get your general thoughts on these matchups too, Hunter. Uh, yeah, sorry. Real quick, I just wanted to uh, add I messed up. There is an opening night game in the East. It is the uh, Celtics, I think, versus Sixers. But let me double check that. Interesting. Okay, let me. Yeah, just... that would that would have not sure. made much sense to have no opening night games for, for the Eastern Conference. I'm glad we could get that. Yeah. Correctly. Okay. Yeah, it is this. It is the Celtics and Sixers playing on opening night. That's so... like a classic. I feel like they yeah. have that every single year. Um, but those are always you know great games. Obviously, they they went uh the distance in the conference semis. Had that game seven with the Sixers collapse and Tatum going for 51. So mm-hmm. I'm excited to see that. Um, also should be a really fun game. Well, it's going to be interesting to see if how Harden's going to play if he's there or if he's going to play at all, too. I think it's another big story. I don't think James Harden's going to be playing any games. But, mm. sorry, what was the question you had asked? I was just thinking, what's your uh, general thoughts on these matchups here? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I just think you can't really go wrong with opening day games. It's kind of like just, you know, pick they handpick these games. They know what they're doing. So, you know, I think they made the right decisions for the most part. Uh, I would have liked to see the Miami Heat, you know, former Eastern Conference, uh, you know, champs out there. And, you know, they do have a large fan base, but I understand uh, 
that I'll, you know what? I think instead of the Sixers, they probably should have had the Heat. Like Heat Celtics would have been probably a better game in my opinion, just because for one, James Harden drama had been known for a while. I don't know how far back you know they schedule these games. Could have been before that. It likely was, but even then, I think that you know the beef between like Philly and Celt the Celtics is probably a little bit more mild than the beef between the Heat and the Celtics as of this moment. Mm. Especially with like that whole Grant Williams thing, Game Seven collapse against the Heat. Like I feel like there's more of a storyline there, but I mean that's just nitpicking. I think they did a good job. Uh, moving on to the next set of games. Wait, though. let's get let's get into our predictions yeah. for these real quick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. Lakers Nuggets. Um, I'm gonna take I'm gonna take the Nuggets with this one. I think the Nuggets are gonna walk away. Nah, come on, man. Anthony Davis is gonna drop sixty and twenty, bro. You know, Lakers dub. No, but uh, that's fair to take the Nuggets. I think I'm gonna take the Lakers. Not not in uh, not because I'm a Laker fan, but I think for one, Lakers have like a little bit of an edge, a little more revenge to get. Or, you know, Nuggets are coming off that, that championship, so there might be a little bit of that lag in the beginning beginning of the season. You know, that might be slow to start. Especially Jokic, I think he has proven that he's not a big, you know, proponent of working hard in the offseason. He spends his time kind of relaxing with the family and hanging out, and he's usually slow to ramp up. So I think the Lakers are going to have an advantage coming into this one, especially being so hungry this year. Actually, I think it's going to take longer for the – the Lakers to adjust. I think, you know, adding a piece like Gabe Vincent, I think that figuring out the rotations with all the new additions this offseason is going to take a little bit of time to get used to. Whereas the Nuggets are basically just running it back. I mean, they lost Bruce Brown, but, you know, they'll be fine without him. So I think that's going to, the consistency and just sort of the um, the fact that they're kind of coming in intact is going to bode well for the Nuggets. That's fair. And then what are your thoughts on the Warriors-Suns game? I think this is Suns, and I think this is not going to be a very close game. I think the Suns are going to kind of walk away with this one. I think that the Warriors, we're going to see them take a bit of time to get back to where they used to be, if ever. I'm really just not big on this Chris Paul move. Um, I think that it doesn't make a lot of sense for them. I think that Chris Paul at this point in his career is really a, a shallow version of his former self. I think that just complete liability on defense and just doesn't give you that much anymore on offense. And so I think that the Suns actually did quite a good job this offseason filling out their bench with some depth. I think that that big three is just going to click right away. Uh, Bradley Beal's a guy that you can just kind of throw into any system and he'll get you a bucket. So I think I'm going to go with the Suns on this one. Yeah, I, I'm going to agree with that take. I just I don't think I'm a, as down as on the Warriors as you are. I just think the Warriors are going to take a while with this Chris Paul move. We'll see how Chris Paul's ego plays into this in the sense that does he want to start? Is he coming off the bench? Does Steve Kerr take that up risk with him starting maybe at, in the first few games? Does it work out? Like, There's just too many questions for me to be confident in the Warriors to start the season. Right. But uh, then the last game, obviously, would be the Philly and Celtics game. Who do you got in that one? I'm going to go with the Celtics here. I think that the Sixers have a ton to figure out this season. I mean, primarily with this James Harden move, yeah. but also like, I mean, Embiid has to do a big reality check and, and just sort of like come to terms with him as like a regular season kind of performer, which I know like this is a regular season game, but I think it just speaks to how the Sixers need to sort of retool themselves this season. And if they want to be a legit contender, um, that's going to have to start from day one. 
Uh, whereas I think the Celtics, you know, they they kept their guys. They got Tatum and, and Brown coming back. They're bringing in um, Porzingis now. I think that, you know, losing a key piece in Marcus Smart is going to hurt. And there is definitely going to be like a an adjustment period. But I think they'll be fine for this first game. The, I think the Sixers are going to come up pretty weak. Yeah, uh, we agree with that. I don't need to go into any more explanation. Yep. But then let's talk about these Christmas Day games because uh, these are the two biggest nights in the NBA for the most part. And we have the Knicks versus the Bucks, the Warriors versus the Nuggets, the Celtics versus the Lakers, and the Heat versus the Sixers. So what do you think of these games, Sarafa? I'm going to rank these games and in, in how fun I think they'll be to watch. So I think number one is going to be Celtics-Lakers. I think every single time they've played in the past few years, it's been electric. Obviously, a ton of history, one of the most historic rivalries uh, in all of sports. I mean, just so many iconic moments you can think of off the top of your head in just the past few years. You, you got to see like the, the funny game last year where LeBron kind of had that meltdown. The refs really screwed the Lakers over. Um, the Rondo game winner in Boston. I mean, so yeah. many iconic moments, right? Uh, so I think that Lakers Celtics definitely going to be a the game to watch. Um, then I think that the Warriors Nuggets is also going to be really fun. I just, I mean, a Western Conference Derby. Obviously, Steph going up against Jokic, two of the biggest names in the league. Um, then I think Heat Sixers. I'm going to put that up there too because I think that um, you're going to have, you know. Jimmy Butler going up against Joel Embiid. I mean, there's also some history there. These are teams that have met in the playoffs. Butler obviously used to be on the Sixers, so I think that that game could get kind of chippy. And then lastly, I'm going to say Knicks-Bucks, just because I think that the Bucks are like a definitively better team. I think that the Knicks will be competitive, but I fully expect the Bucks to walk away with that one. So I don't think it's going to be too entertaining, even though it's probably going to be at Madison Square Garden and the atmosphere will be electric. Yeah, I agree. I think the Knicks are up here because of history, name, and fan base. I don't yeah. think they're up here because of their team. So I would also rank that at the bottom. I think we have pretty much the same list. I think the Warriors game might be even more interesting than we expect, just because by December, I think that the Warriors will have been able to figure out their system. I don't think Chris Paul is going to have, like, let's say the storyline is Chris Paul is the sixth man. I don't think Chris Paul is going to kind of have a meltdown about that. I think he's a very accepting, very smart guy, and he wants to ultimately win the championship. So I think he'll do what it takes to win. And if that means being on the bench, I think he'll do it. So I think by that point of the season, the Warriors could be very scary. So <clears throat> I think it's going to be a much more competitive game than some some people might think. And like you said, Lakers Celtics can't beat that kind of rivalry. So they yep. got to be number one. So who we got winning these we, these games? Let's go through the matchups. I'm going to go ahead and say I'm going to have the Knicks winning. Okay. Upset Just because, there. yeah, I got the upset there. I think the Knicks are a team that tend to have some of these upsets. I feel like historically they've been pretty good against the Bucs. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and take another upset. I'm going to take the Warriors. I think you're, it's probably going to, you know, be some crazy shooting night from Steph, you know, something like that. But it's mm. not it's not going to be like a – blow out of the water like nuggets just don't do good i think it's just gonna be like one of those stupid steph curry or clay thompson games then celtics lakers i'm gonna have to go celtics i think anthony davis will not be playing <laughs> i think there's just gonna be some kind of injury by by december i think one of lebron or anthony davis will not be playing not a I lot just, of faith but fair okay um and then i'm probably gonna take the heat 
again, Sixers question mark, what's going to be happening with James Harden? Because even by December, you're not even at the trade deadline yet. He might still be holding out by that point in the season. Yep. And I think the Heat, uh, although their roster is kind of, they've lost some some pieces, I think by that point, you know, maybe they get Dame. Yeah. In, in which case, I think they're a sh- sh- surefire pick there. Yeah. I got the Bucks. I mean, I just think they're too good, too consistent. I think they're going to have a bit of a chip on their shoulder this season after, you know, obviously losing to the Heat in the first round last year. A lot of people throwing shade their way. And I think Giannis is going to come back with a vengeance this year. He's he's one of my early, almost like dark horse picks for MVP. I mean, I, it's funny to call Giannis that, but I feel like not a lot of people are talking about him in those sort of early MVP conversations. Um, I got the Nuggets in this one. I think the Nuggets are just too much of a well-oiled machine. Steph historically also doesn't play very well on Christmas days, so that's I'm going to go with the Nuggets here. I'm going to go with the Lakers. Honestly, I think that's a bit of an upset. I think the Celtics are favored in this matchup. I think health-wise, you're right. It is unlikely that the Lakers are healthy, but I think even missing a LeBron or AD, I think they'll be able to scrap together a win. And then finally, I'm going to go with the Heat here. I think that, yeah, the Sixers are a bit of a mess, and I think they will not have it figured out by this point. Um, and even with Joel Embiid probably going for 30 or something like that, I still expect the the Heat to win by commission here. Probably a bunch of unexpected guys off the bench, undrafted guys um, contributing a lot to this win. So, yeah, that, those are my picks there. So um, a bit of a disagreement between us, but we'll yeah. see how that plays out. Absolutely. Um, we'll see. And with that, I think we can move on um, and we can talk about Team USA um, in the pre-FIBA tour. Uh, obviously, the FIBA World Cup hasn't started yet. It starts in a few days here. Uh, but, you know, they've been playing against other countries, getting their runs in. Um, and currently, they're about, I think, 4-0 or 5-0. I can't remember which, with this lineup that Steve Kerr has been running out. And that's Jalen Brunson, Anthony Edwards, Mikhail Bridges, Brandon Ingram, and Jaron Jackson Jr. And Anthony Edwards has really been the standout guy um, in these past few games. Just the other night against Germany, dropped 34 points in 11 of 21 shooting. Steve Kerr saying... He's unquestionably the guy. So, I mean, do you sort of see anything from this Anthony Edwards breakout? Do you think this is boding well for next season? Or do you not really weigh that much into international play? Um, I guess a follow-up question to that is, I mean, what have you seen from this Team USA lineup if you've been watching them at all? And do you think there's any other teams out there that can really give them a run for their money? Yeah, I mean, I really like this lineup to start. Like, we've talked in the past about how there's no like big superstar quote-unquote name but i think especially in these kind of fiba cups we've seen historically that for one a lot of these big names don't really mesh together that well and that you you don't need them and in this case getting a bunch of great young talent gives these guys an opportunity to show off the skills that maybe their team doesn't allow them to show off because the system they run in which case i think anthony edwards has always had this in him i just think rudy gobert and carl anthony towns make the spacing really funky. And I think he's just an unfortunate situation with the Timberwolves that doesn't allow him to be the best player he can be. So I don't think this comes as a surprise to me. I think he's always been this explosive, this athletic, this vocal as a player. I think we saw that in the past, like, uh, you know, in the play-in tournament. I think we saw how much he could take over against the Grizzlies and how vocal he was as a leader with his team alongside Patrick Beverly at the time. Uh, you know, so I that's not surprising to me. I think, you know, Jaron Jackson has been a great anchor defensively. I think this they just have a good lineup. I thought, you know, Tyrese Halliburton maybe was going to be in the starting lineup. We talked about that, but I think 
Jalen Brunson has proven to be a great facilitator for them. And Mikhail Bridges is the perfect Lou guy. We, you know, kind of returning to that more Phoenix role a little bit. Uh, so, you know, I think this team just fits really well together. And I think Austin Reeves and Cam Johnson have shown to be great transition players and pushing the, you know, changing the pace in, you know, off the bench. So I, I really do like this team. Is there anything you've seen out of them that you'd like to comment on? Yeah, I mean, I think that, yeah, like agreeing with some of the points you said, seeing uh, Reeves and Johnson off the bench has been really great to see. I think those are two guys who, you know, not that there were doubts about them being on this team, but certainly if you were to pick some of the weaker players, I guess they would be more toward the top of that list. And they've sort of been proving those guys wrong uh, by really showing out in these games uh, and really contributing a lot off the bench. Even Reeves taking over some of these games. It was great to see as a Lakers fan, um, seeing that that playoff run was not like a, a fluke or something like that. Um, but Edwards, man, like last season, I remember talking to you in the in the summer, you know, when we were recording this podcast about like this next season is going to be Edwards' breakout year. Um, but it, it actually turned out to be more of like SGA's breakout year where he, you know, made the All-NBA first team, uh, average above 30 points and really cemented himself as one of the best guards in the NBA I think that this next season might be that season for Anthony Edwards like I'm just seeing a lot more maturity in his game a lot more control a lot more fluidity he is having those explosive athletic outbursts but you know they're, they're coming in bursts and they're like it's just a much more refined version of his game um and I think that the feeble rules really allow for that we talk about it every year or every time there's international play like the game can be a little bit more physical. There's a lot less of those ticky-tacky fouls that players like to draw. And so it's just pure hoops. And I think Anthony Edwards is a very pure hooper. Um, and so, yeah, I'm expecting him to really be that guy, as Steve Kerr was saying, on this Team USA roster. Um, and I fully expect that to translate um, to next season. Um, we'll get into that in the, in the next topic. But, yeah, I guess, like, the last thing we can talk about here is, like, do you think that any team is really going to pose a threat to Team USA, or do you think we pretty much got this gold secured? No, I think we really got the gold secured, especially with a lot of these guys going out. Like Jamal Murray is no longer playing for Canada. Um, you know, Nikola Jokic was never playing for Serbia. Giannis is not playing for Greece. Like you, you know, all the best international players have kind of backed out in uh, you know, taking their talents to give themselves some time to rest in the off season. Yeah. So I really don't think there's going to be that much competition. Although Spain did definitely give us a run for our money, even with their best player being, you know, uh, like Willie Hernan Gomez. Like they did get, you know, we ended up beating them pretty well in the end there, but for a while they were very competitive and they had us up until the fourth quarter. So. Yeah, definitely. Um, all right. I guess we can move to the next topic here. Speaking of shooting guards, um, I wanted to get your opinion on who you think the best shooting guard in the NBA will be next season. Mm. Um, some names that come to mind are like Anthony Edwards, Donovan Mitchell, Jalen Brown, Devin Booker, Shea Gilgis Alexander. Um, or do you think it might be someone I haven't mentioned, like uh, Zach Levine or somebody like that? Yeah, I think it's clearly going to be Austin Reeves. You know, talked <laughs> about it. <laughs> no. um, I would love to say Anthony Edwards but unfortunately for the reasons I'd mentioned before I think the clunkiness of the Timberwolves their uncertainty with you know being able to play Rudy Gobert and Cat at the same time the you know the clogging of the lane for for uh you know Anthony Edwards although all the things are true about his game being more refined I just don't think the Timberwolves 
roster construction allows for him to do the things he's best at. Uh, so I'm going to have to go ahead and say SGA. I think this is a breakout season, not just for him, because that was his breakout season last year, but for OKC as a whole. And I really do think that this was just such a loaded roster with, you know, Josh Giddy could, you know, have a breakout explosion season because he's such a good talent. Uh, you know, they have Trey Mann. They have Chet Holmgren. They just have so many guys. Lou Dort. They just have the right roster. Jalen Williams. Jalen Williams. And both of them. Yeah. Are, <laughs> and they've done it the right way from the very beginning. And they've built their roster with young talent that fits together the just right. So... Of all these young teams, you know, you look and you might say, oh, this team is missing a small forward. This miss team's missing a rim protector. They just have it all at the same time, which is just beautiful to see. Uh, you know, that was evident when they traded away Paul George. It, what they got in return was, you know, this is the fruit that we're seeing. Well, you know, at the time we knew, you know, OKC is going to be good in a few years. And I think this is the first year of that. And I think SGA is going to lead that. And ultimately, I think Devin Booker is going to kind of not recede as a player, but his stats are just going to be less because he's to share the ball more. And I think Donovan Mitchell is kind of in the same boat where it's like, you know, maybe he's going to need to get his teammates a little bit more involved because obviously last year didn't work out. Yeah, I agree with you there. Um, I think SGA and the OKC Thunder are going to have a really great season next year. Um, I will say that I think Donovan Mitchell often gets kind of overlooked in these conversations, but yeah. he had a great year last year, like one of his best. And the Cavs were a damn good team up until they hit the playoffs, right? And that's where their youth and inexperience showed. And I think now that they have a little bit more experience under their belt, you know, the Cavs are going to be looking a lot more solid and a lot more composed. And so don't sleep on Donovan Mitchell next year. Also, Anthony Edwards, I'm really big on. I think that, like, not only is he going to really elevate his offensive game, but I think defensively, He's shown a lot of strides last year. I think he's really going to blossom into a, a, a great two-way player next year. Um, and I, so I think on both sides of the ball, Anthony Edwards is going to be phenomenal. Um, but if I were to rank, I guess, my top three, I'd go SGA, Anthony Edwards, and then maybe Donovan Mitchell. I agree. I think the yeah. book is going to kind of take a backseat next year just because there is so much firepower in that starting lineup between him, Beal, and uh, KD. And then yeah. Jalen Brown, I mean – Similarly, there's going to be a lot of figuring out there. The left hand is a bit questionable. I think it's still going to be amazing, maybe even all-star caliber, but like, I don't know. I just am bigger on those three guys. Yeah, uh, I would tend to agree. I think we can move on to the next little segment. This is something that you had planned. So uh, if you want to get into it. Yeah, so basically NBA University posted a couple groups of guys um, and basically wanted you to rank them if you're like an NBA GM and, and you're kind of drafting these players like as they currently are, not like uh, in the past. Um, based off like, I guess, their their future potential based on where they currently are. So we'll start with this first group of players here. We got Trey Murphy, uh, who's 23 years old, Jaden Ivey, 21 years old, Keegan Murray, 23 years old, and Anthony Simons, 24 years old. So, so under, based yeah. on right now or potential or both? Based off, like, right, like, if you were a GM, right, and you're building a team right now, like, you can get these guys as they currently are, like, and, like, obviously built for the for, also yeah. uh, as they blossom for the future, but, you know. I'm, this might be hot, but I'm taking Keegan Murray first. Wow. That is a bit of a hot take, I think. Yeah. I really like Keegan Murray. I think he's a really pure Hooper. I think he's got buckets, and I think that he has a lot to provide in the defensive game with his physical tools. 
Uh, and I think he showed that he's an impactful player right away. And he plays winning basketball, which is really important. Uh, you know, not just the team structure, but I think he individually also showed that he knows basketball has a high IQ and makes the right decisions. Uh, I think second, I take Anthony Simons. You know, Anthony Simons has clearly shown, you know, and that's interchangeable with Keegan Murray, but I'm just going to take Keegan because he's just a little younger. Um, but Anthony Simons has shown that even without Damian Lillard, he's just an absolute hooper. You know, defensive side, the ball is always a liability, but he is so bouncy, you know, so, has such a beautiful shot. You know, a lot of those Dame-esque traits that we saw when Dame was young, Anthony has, and, you know, makes sense. Uh, from there, I'd probably take Jaden Ivey, you know, youngest guy here. I think he showed a lot of potential for the Pistons. Uh, and then I'd probably take Trey Murphy. I really like Trey Murphy, though, because... But that, it's hard for me to put him so low because he's just such a good defensive player. This is a guy who I think will be earning a defensive player of the year at some point in his career. Defensive player of the year? That's pretty uh, Yeah, no, I really think he will. That's a that's a bold take. I know, I know. That might be a boldest take there. But, I mean, I, I think sort of similarly to you. I think I'm going to go number one, Anthony Simons. I know he is 24 years old, but Keegan Murray, even though he was a rookie last year, he was just a year younger, I think. Anthony Simons' game is incredibly mature for his age. I think that we saw when Dame was out, he was able to lead that Blazers team. A lot of big-time shot-making, a lot of clutch buckets. He's a very diverse skill set, super athletic. Don't forget this guy was in the dunk contest, right? Um, And he does kind of give off like a baby Dame. Um, And if the Blazers are going to sort of stick with this rebuild after training Dame and roll with him and the other young guns they have on that roster – then I really like Anthony Simons. I think that he's going to be an all-star level player very soon. Um, So I'm going to roll with him at number one. Number two, I am going to go Keegan Murray as well. I think that, you know, seeing him be a quality contributor to a playoff team as just a rookie really bodes well. I liked his shot making. I mean, and shot selection. Yeah. Which is impressive for a rookie. Very smart player. Very composed for his age as just a rookie you know he's very rarely going to make mistakes i don't know if i've seen enough from him to put him over anthony simons that's fair um, but i'll put him at two three i'll go trey murphy i think that as a two-way guy like he's really the prototypical kind of three and d player you're looking for who has potential to sort of blossom into of a more of a shot maker and playmaker kind of like mikhail bridges and then Jaden Ivey last. I've been a bit disappointed by Jaden Ivey thus far. I know it takes guards a while to adjust to the NBA, especially guys who sort of rely on their athleticism. But he's been kind of all over the place on the Pistons, you know, like um, a bit sloppy um, with his handle, a bit careless with the basketball, too inefficient for my liking. I'm sure he'll develop, but as of right now, I'm just going to stick with that uh, mm-hmm. group. So – Cool. Uh, and then we can finally move on to the last group here, um, which is four all-star quality young guys. Jaron Jackson, who's 23. LaMelo Ball is 21. De'Aaron Fox, who's 25. And Zion Williamson is 22. Yeah. This was tough, but I don't know if you'll be surprised. I don't know if you'll agree with me. I'm taking De'Aaron Fox first overall. I think he's proven to be the leader of a team. I think he's proven that he has more to give to his game. He's a good shot maker. He's incredibly athletic, a great facilitator. He's everything you'd want in a guard and more. And 
you know, that that's I can't say enough about De'Aaron Fox as a player. And he's always available, which is another big component for this group in, the, in particular. Second off to take Jaron Jackson. I think, you know, when you have a defensive anchor like that, the young, you know, young Anthony Davis kind of type of player um, who had, you know, can shoot the three, can do a little bit of everything. I think those guys are really valuable into these NBA and there aren't that many of them. Uh, next, I'm going to have to take LaMelo Ball. I think for me, my concern with LaMelo Ball is a few things. I think he's a winning player. I think he can play winning basketball. And he proved that with the Hornets, you know, being that it was such a horrible team, but he was bringing them to like almost a 500 record when he was healthy. Again, my concern with him is health. You know, we saw his brother, you know, pr- probably going to be out of the NBA, will not be playing again, is unfortunately probably the consensus most people have. And that's the take I would have is that his brother, you know, will not be on the basketball court again, which is so unfortunate because I'm such a big fan of him, not family. Uh, but my concern with LaMelo would be he's starting to kind of go down that same path Alonzo did early in his career with, you know, with ticky tack knee injuries, you know, wrist, not, not wrist injuries, but like, you know, knee, um, ankle. I know, injury. What, you, I know what you're saying. Yeah. yeah. He, he has these just like kind of small injuries. And then one day it's kind of just going to compound. And I'm worried that this isn't like necessarily a genetic thing. But it's based on the training regiments that these guys did when they were really young. And we've talked about this on the podcast before. But Lonzo's talked about how I used to run five miles a day on concrete. You know, start every single day from the age of like 12. And you're going to destroy your knees if you're doing that every day for six, seven, eight years. So, you know, maybe that's just unfortunate and they kind of screwed themselves over. Uh, And then I'm going to take Zion last because I think availability – availability is the best ability. And if you can't be available, no matter how buff you look in your photos coming into this year, that doesn't matter if you have played what in four years in the NBA, if you've played not even a third of your games, or maybe you have played a third of your games. It's crazy how one year can change everything because I think you asked this question one year ago, your answers would have been completely inverse. Exactly. I think Zion could have been number one, but the problem is, Zion has proven to me that when he's healthy, his team can be a number one seed. And when he is out, it doesn't matter. And that's that's a big issue. So I can't I can't as a GM take that risk when I have three guys ahead of him who I know will at very least be there. You know, Lamelo Ball won't be there all the time, but at least he's there most of my games. Like he hasn't had the injury history Zion has. Yeah, I honestly I'm inclined to agree with your list. Like spot on. I think you hit the nail on the head. Just want to mention a couple of things. I think De'Aaron Fox's clutch time ability is really like something that was brought to light last year. Like, I mean, he won the clutch player of the year award, most fourth quarter points, like really delivered even in the playoffs. So that's an ability you can't teach a guy. You can't gift a guy. They just sort of naturally have. And that's something that is invaluable for a player. So I would go De'Aaron one. Ah, it's it's hard, but I guess I go Jaron too. I mean, winning the Defensive Player of the Year is no small feat. I mean, what he's been able to do, sort of building a, a lockdown defense in Memphis, his ability to stretch the floor as a, as a as a big is really underrated, and I think that can benefit also any team in the league. Lamelo Ball, I agree. Like how he's been able to sort of transform a franchise has been incredible. But you know, if you're not healthy, then Actually, I think I'm going to go Zion, number three, just because I think that his ceiling of, like, making you into a genuine contender, right, I think is something we haven't seen in LaMelo. And 
they have sort of availability concerns and yes, signs is much greater, but at the same time, like I'll take that. Like if it's a 50, 50 chance that either don't get the player at all, don't get the player at all, or, you know, we're competing for a championship. I'll take that over a guy who's like going to get me to be an eighth seed 70% of the time and won't be there 30% of the time. So yeah, that's, that's a good point. That's sort of my rationale. Um, this is a fun segment though. We'll definitely try to do it again. Um, but with that, I think that's a good place to call it. It's a bit of a shorter episode just due to um, a bunch of, you know, unforeseen circumstances like this hurricane that's hitting right now. <laughs> so I'll have to go tend to that, but thank you all so much for listening. Uh, we'll be here next week or so um, with, with our, our 100th episode. Yes. Big things coming. Stay tuned. And we're going to have a special surprise for you next week. Yes. So make sure you tune in for that and uh, we'll see you there. So take care. Peace. Bye.